Pastor's taking the night off tonight. He's, uh, they got family up from uh, New Mexico. I think Greg and Charity are coming up, so he asked me to step in for him. And, um, you know, everybody needs uh, family time, amen? Y'all looking forward to some family time? You excited about Thanksgiving? Yeah. It's great. We're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is one of my all-time favorite holidays. You know, everybody loves Christmas, of course, and Easter. We celebrate the birth of our Savior and the, his, and the, the, and our, um, and the Lord rising from the, you know, from the dead, the Christ rising from the dead on Easter. But Thanksgiving is, um, is probably one of my favorite holidays. You know, I, they've had a harder time commercializing Thanksgiving. How do you commercialize a day that people want to celebrate and be thankful? It's kind of hard to do that. I mean, they did come up with Black Friday, I guess. You know, so, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you could take a day to thank, thank everybody, but then, you know, get back out here and bite, scratch, and claw to get a good deal, you know. It's pretty sad. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite holidays. Um, I was going to read you a little bit of Thanksgiving history here just to kind of uh, break the ice and give you some insight into where this holiday came from. You know, it's thought that the first Thanksgiving celebration was by the pilgrims after their first harvest in the New World back in 1621. It's a long time ago. But it wasn't really um, a holiday back then. It was more of just a, a celebration that some participated in and some didn't, you know. Um, it wasn't until 1827 a woman by the name of Sarah Hale wrote scores of letters lobbying governors, senators, and even presidents, tirelessly crusading for a national Thanksgiving day to be observed, observed every year. And she did this for 36 years. Um, guys, if you're married to a S Sarah Hale, you might as well just hang it up. If she wants something, give it to her, because I mean, 36 years. But anyway, but then finally, in 1864, President Lincoln gave an executive order after a long-awaited Union victory at the Battle of Gettysburg. He granted this request. You know, he probably thought he can kill two birds with one stone. They wanted to be grateful for a Union victory. This was during the Civil War, but he probably also wanted to get this woman off his back. So anyway, he granted this, but yet still it was a, it was an acknowledged holiday, but yet it was not... Uh, considered a national holiday. It wasn't until 1941, uh, this was during World War II, that Congress, with a joint resolution, officially set the fourth Thursday of November as a national holiday for Thanksgiving. You know, so the deal with Congress taking forever to get something done, that's been going on for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> from, from 1864 to 1941 was 77 years. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a little bit of history of, of Thanksgiving. Um, so now if anybody asks you, you know, okay? That's where that holiday came from. So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight um, about what Thanksgiving is, you know, and more in the biblical sense, okay? Because the Bible talks a lot about Thanksgiving, especially in the, in the book of Psalms. You know, uh, Webster Dictionary defines Thanksgiving as an act of giving thanks 
or a public acknowledgement or celebration of, of divine goodness. Or you could say God's goodness, okay? Noah Webster was, uh, has been credited as being a believer. So, you know, it's also a prayer or expression of gratitude. And gratitude is walking in a state of always being grateful, right? It's, all, it's a walking in an attitude of always being grateful. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says this. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks once in a while. Or, or giving thanks when you feel like it, right? No. It says giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so we can see that thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude, you know, but it's a choice. You know, the Word of God uh, instructs us to do so, but we have a choice. Amen? When we are truly thankful, there's an acknowledgement or celebration of God's goodness. There's an expression of gratitude and a willingness of always being grateful. You know, and that's really what uh, Thanksgiving is. You know, it's just an attitude of always being grateful. And it doesn't just come once a year. You know, uh, we should be thankful and grateful every day. You know, every day of our lives when we, you know, when our our beady little eyes open in the morning, there's, a, there's an opportunity to be grateful and thankful for another day. Amen? So... Um, the opposite is true if, if we are thankless or unthankful. You know, we go through life with no expression of thanks or gratitude. We have, you know, we have a prime example of that uh, in the book of Exodus when, when God, through the leadership of Moses, delivered the children of Israel from the captivity and the bondage of the Egyptians, you know. Um, you know, God had miraculously delivered them from Pharaoh's tyranny and laid waste the entire the entire nation of Egypt through 10 plagues and brought his people out of the bondage, you know. But yet, you know, when they had their backs up against the Red Sea, you know, and things weren't looking good, you know, their, their response was anything but thankfulness. You know, um, Exodus 14.11 says, is, is there no graves in Egypt? Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You know, so, of course, God has mercy on him. He parts the sea. They cross over. The, uh, the Egyptian army goes into the, to the, uh, the, the seabed, and then, and then God closes the water on them. And you would think after seeing all that, they would look at that and say, Oh, my bad. Sorry, Lord. You know, we, we should have been thankful. We should have trusted you. But no, they did not. You know, if we go on to read in chapter 16, you know, when their food supply begins to run low, they say, oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread to our full, have you brought us out here to kill us with hunger? So they're not learning a lesson here. They're continuing to be ungrateful and unthankful. You know, and we live so much more in a nation now, and I'm not saying everybody, but we sit, live in such a, a me world now of where people a lot of times are not 
not grateful for the things that, that we have or things that God has done in our lives. Some of them, don't, of course, don't even know God. But as believers, we need to set that example of always being thankful and always being grateful, you know. It's, it's a witness to his goodness. You know, so God feeds them quail in the evening and manna in the morning. You know, um, does anybody know what the word manna means? What is it? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's funny for some reason. You know, uh, have you ever put something in front of your kids or your grandkids that they haven't ate before and they give you that look of like, what is it? You know? And uh, that's, what the, that's what the whole nation of, of Israel did, you know. And uh, that's what they said to Moses. You know, I think that's probably why God referred to them as the children of Israel. Because they were acting childish, you know. What is it? You know, so instead of being thankful, you know. Uh, so um, he probably said that same thing that we often say to our children is to just be quiet and eat it, you know. <laughs> Shut up and eat it. But anyway, and then so, you know, they continue on their journey, and you think by then they would have learned, but then, you know, they become thirsty, and they begin to complain again to Moses, why have you brought us out here into Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? This is in chapter 17, 3. So they're continuing to complain, continuing to be un unthankful, ungrateful. And of course, you know, this all climaxes at the... At when they were supposed to cross the Jordan River into the promised land and they sent the 10 spies out. This is in Numbers 14.3. And uh, 10 of them come back with a bad report. And, and um, you know, the, there's, the response then is, why has the Lord brought us to this land? Now they're, they're done blaming Moses and Aaron. Now they're blaming God himself. You know, why have you brought us out to this land to fall to the sword that our wives and children should become victims, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? You know, um, the thing is, is God was able to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them. They were still bound in their hearts and in their minds, and a lot of it stemmed from just being unthankful and ungrateful. You know, their, their, their attitude, you know, um, you know, they had no gratitude. So, you know, I often think of um, what would it have been like if they, had, um, if they had changed their heart and their mind. We would probably be reading a different story than, than what we're reading, you know, because they wouldn't recognize him for his goodness or his faithfulness. Um, they wouldn't trust him and, and depend on him to provide. You know, even after he did it many, many times, they still were ungrateful and unthankful. You know, in Psalms 104 and 5, it declares, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth, or you could say his promises, endure to all generations, you know, but they just didn't get that. The Israelites did not get that. You know, so, you know, when we talk about being unthankful and ungrateful, um, this is such a prime example of what it looks like. You know, um, you know, I think, 
I think if the Lord would supplied the Israelites with ice cream in the desert, they probably would have complained that it was too cold. Or at least that it was the wrong flavor, you know. Because they had their eyes so set on earthly things and bound by earthly situations that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. And there's people like that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that never has a good thing to say, never has a good report. Um, it's demeaning. I mean, it, it'll bring you down, you know. And they, um, they seem to have been bound by this, um, you know, almost unbelievably, all right? So anyway, um, you know, I, I've often thought, like I said, if they would have only um, come to, to Moses with their request or their need, you know, and they just think about it, if they would have said something like, you know, we have this need, Moses, that we want you to take before the Lord. But, you know, before you present it to the Lord, please tell him how thankful and how grateful we are. You know, for all that he's done, tell him how grateful we are that we are no longer slaves in Egypt. And tell him how excited we are to be on this journey. You know, and tell him how confident we are in his mighty hand to overcome any obstacle that we might face. And tell him we will be quick to obey any command that he requests of us. Tell him, Moses, you know, if that would have been their attitude, we would be reading a totally different story, wouldn't we? Um, an unthankful spirit can rob you of the promises of God. An unthankful spirit. And that's what happened with these people. You know, they were robbed from the promises of God by being unthankful and ungrateful. And of course, that stemmed into unbelief and doubt, you know. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's an example, I guess, of being unthankful. Um, but we are not unthankful, as the children of Israel were. Amen? We're not. <laughs> Praise God. You know, um, when, we, when, when someone is unthankful, we can no longer see clear toward God's promises or believe or trust him for his provisions. It blinds us concerning his promises and it casts doubt on his ability to provide for our future. It, ca it blinds us concerning his promises and it will cast doubt on his ability to provide for our future. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it, he had already told them that he was going to take them to a promised land. You know, but because of their, their uh, unthankful hearts and their ungratefulness, it blinded them concerning his promise. They, in other words, they didn't believe it. You know, they, they didn't solidify that in their heart with thanksgiving and gratitude. When we are unthankful or ungrateful, it will affect our attitude toward God. And as we all know, your attitude affects your what? Altitude. You know, they're... They're down here at ground level instead of seeing things from God's perspective. Amen? Um, when we were, when I was preparing this lesson, um, we were having some devotional time, Lynn and I were, and uh, she always is trying to get a sneak peek at what I'm going to be talking about, you know, so <laughs> I was glad I, was, I mentioned it to her because when we got to discussing it, she had this phrase that I thought, Man, that's, that's good. And 
what she said to me was, when we were talking about this, she said, having an attitude of gratitude will open the doors to the thing God, the things that God wants to do in your life. Having an attitude of gratitude will open the doors to the things that God wants to do in your life. And that's so true. That is so true. And that's exactly what God was trying to do with the, with the nation of Israel. He was trying to get them, he was trying to open the doors for what his plan was for their life. But they kept shutting those doors by being unthankful and ungrateful. Amen? So uh, David said in Psalms 26, 7, he said, I will proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous, wondrous works. You know, gratitude requires an expression, and David is expressing that here. He says, I will tell of all your wondrous works. And I think we can all agree that God did some pretty amazing things in David's life, did he not? I mean, here was a shepherd's boy. That's, uh, he, was, he was attending his father's sheep, and God made him into a king. You know, uh, God used him to slay a giant. You know, David won battle after battle after battle. You know, because he has a whole different attitude when it comes to being thankful and being grateful than the Israelites did. You know, um, you know, when Thanksgiving is not on our lips and a heart of gratitude is not present in our lives, we have a tendency to view life from a very humanistic or earthly perspective. Um, and that when you view life from a very humanistic, earthly perspective, you're seeing things from ground level. And when you see things from ground level, everything looks like a giant, doesn't it not? Everything looks like a giant. You know, that's why David was able to slay the giant. You know, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that they should defy the armies of the living God? He was looking at it from God's perspective because he had a grateful heart. He knew his God, and he knew his God was good. And he was willing to show uh, thanksgiving and gratitude towards him, right? So, um, you know, just the opposite is true. When we are ungrateful, it, it gives us an earthly, humistic perspective. When we, the opposite is true when we are thankful and appreciative. It elevates us to a higher level where we begin to see things in God's perspective. We are reminded, reminded what he has done for us in the past, that's kind of what Thanksgiving is, is reminding yourself of what he's done in the past, of his goodness, right? We can learn to enjoy what he is doing in our lives right now, you know, instead of complaining or griping or, um, and so we can learn to enjoy the things he's doing in our lives right now, and we can trust him for what he will provide in our future. I, I kind of like to refer to this as the... Uh, Chicken versus the eagle comparison. <laughs> you know, the chicken is always looking down, pecking in the dirt, trying to, pardon the pun, but scratch out a living. You know, he's, he's down there on a earthbound level. You know, he has tunnel vision. He can only see what's right in front of his beak, basically. So, you know, but the eagle, you know, he's soaring far above all that. Is he not? He can see things from God's perspective. He's not down there 
scratching in the dirt. He's soaring above, trusting the Lord will provide all he has need of. Maybe even that chicken down there, right? Yeah, so he's seeing things from a whole different level. Colossians 3.2 says, we are, not, we are to set our minds on things above and not on things on the earth or earthly. You know, we need to learn to look at things from God's level and not from, the, from an earthly humanistic level. You know, one of my favorite uh, verses is in Isaiah 40.31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and they will not faint. Um, you know, the word wait there upon the Lord, to wait upon the Lord means to look to him with a trusting expectation. To look to the Lord with a trusting expectation. That means, that's what the word wait means there. And, uh, you know, it would be Far better if we would learn, you know, what that word wait means and, and apply it into our lives to where we're, you know, looking with an, an expect, trusting expectation toward the promises of God. And that's what spills over into thanksgiving and gratitude because then, then we start seeing things from his perspective. You know, it's an inner attitude where there is strength. Knowing we have entrusted our need into his hands you know, and, and it's not just in our own. It, you know, if only the Israelites could have done that, they could have reached that promised land that God had promised them. But they were looking at things for what they could do themselves instead of trusting what God would do. Amen? All right. So, you know, we want to be eagles, not chickens. Amen? Look at, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a chicken. Don't be a chicken. No. <laughs> All right. You know, the psalmist writes in Psalm 91, 7, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, that's, that should be the desire of all of our hearts. You know, to dwell in that secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But you know, in order to enter into that secret place, we must come with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. That, that is the key, so to speak, to that secret place. Uh, Psalms 95.2 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. That's the first order of business in that verse. Before we come into his presence, it says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And let us shout joyfully to him with psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, let us, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and let us shout joyfully to him in psalms and, and hymns and musical songs. That's one translation. Linda's Bible translates this. I thought this was really good. I was looking in her Bible. She has a spirit-filled Bible and it says to honor him, honor him with music and song. I thought, she's a music director. That's pretty appropriate for her Bible to read that way, you know. To honor him with music and song. Thankfulness opens our hearts to his presence and our minds to his thoughts. You know, it might not mean that our circumstances can change immediately, but it will, um, 
it will allow us to look at things from God's perspective. And when we start looking at things from God's perspective, that's when it starts changing our situation. Amen? Um, Psalms 107.22 says, Let him sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. You know, um, when the Bible talks about sacrifice, it's often referring to the fact that we might have to put our flesh under in order to do that. You know, the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's giving out of um, a sacrificial heart. Um, I don't know how many of you know Bill Johnson. He's the senior pastor of uh, Bethel a Church in Redding, California. And he gave this testimony once about um, when his father passed away. It was so rich. I mean, um, his father was, he was up in years, but it came as a little bit of a surprise to them. And they were, of course, all gathered around his bed when he took his last breath. And he passed, and he was a believer, of course. And so he passed on to his eternal glory in the presence of his family. And Bill Johnson said that he felt a need in his heart to have all of his family members gather together around his dad and just give thanks. And give thanks and praise and honor and gratitude to the Lord. Now, you would think, why would he want to do that at a time when his, he, he lost his dad, you know? And his response was that I may have never have an opportunity to give a sacrificial um, act of thanksgiving and gratitude with as much grief in my heart as I do right now. In other words, he wanted to do that because he wanted it to be a sacrifice of praise and honor and gratitude and thanksgiving. Because, you know, that, that opportunity may never come again and he didn't want to miss it, you know. And, you know, it's easy to be grateful and thankful when everything's going good, everything's going the way you want. But a true sacrifice of praise is, it comes out of our hearts when maybe things aren't quite the way we'd like them to be. But that's why the Bible says to give thanks always in all situations. It doesn't necessarily say for all situations, but in all situations. Because that's our, that's our reasonable service, amen? Okay, um, you know, if we would just learn to tell, instead of telling God how big our problem is, we need to tell our problem how big our God is. And then thank him for the answer, you know, and um, be grateful for that answer. Amen. Okay, um, how are we doing here? Oh, we're doing all right. Okay, I'm going to kind of wind this down. I want to tell you another story. Um, this one is Linda's, was Linda's mother who just passed away two years ago, honey? Something like that. Anyway, she was an amazing woman. If you want to know why Linda's like she is, well, she came from good roots, you know. But her mom was an amazing, godly woman. And, you know, we, Linda would go down and visit her at the care center she was in down in Red Oak. And this was when she was in her twilight years, you know, when her, uh, it was obvious that her, um, her life was coming to an end. And that she was going to go home to be with the Lord, you know, fairly soon. And we know we knew that. And, um, but she would 
get so excited when Linda was come down and she would have to tell her something she read in the Bible or that she learned, you know, and <clears throat> Linda would make a comment of, well, Mother, it's so great that your spirits are so high that, um, that you're so grateful and thankful. And her response was always, she, she was sweetie, she said, well, Linda, it's the only way to be. It's the only way to be. You know, so that's kind of a saying in our house now that whenever, you know, we need to be thankful or grateful in any situation, she, either she will look at me or I will look at her and say, well, it's the only way to be. Because it is. It is the only way to be. As believers, you know, uh, when we think about all that God has done for us, the sacrificial giving of his son on the cross, the home in heaven that we have to go to, our promised land, being thankful is really the only way to be. Amen? It's the only way to be. Okay. Well, in closing, I want to read this psalm again, this psalm to you. It's in Psalms 107, 21. It says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Amen. I want you to remember that this week when you go to your Thanksgiving celebrations. Take some time just to, maybe before you pray with your meal, over your meal, just to give the Lord thanks for his goodness, you know, and set that example for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, that they, they can see the importance of giving, giving thanks and for gratitude. Amen. So um, I do have a little bit of show and tell for you. You know, I, I wanted to show you a few things of some pictures because I think sometimes, you know, we, we grow up in this country and we don't realize how incredibly blessed we are. You know, um, I went on a mission trip to Guatemala a few years back. Um, a lot of you can remember Paul Peterson, Pastor Paul, and he was encouraging me to go, and it was scratching. I, I'd never been on a mission trip. I never really even thought to go on one. Um, it wasn't something I, I even contemplated, but I knew that God was, was kind of scratching on my heart to maybe say yes to this. But I remember talking to Pastor Paul, and I said, you know, I don't want to just go on a mission trip to go on a vacation. You know, if, I want, if I'm going to go, I want to make a difference. That's what I said. If, I want, if I'm going to go, I want to make a difference. And I remember he looked at me and he said, well, the difference, Tom, is maybe not so much in what you do down there. The difference will be in you. And I thought, well, that's profound. <laughs> but what he said was, couldn't have been more truthful. Because it really, it really changed how I looked at life from then on. You know, we don't realize sometimes how incredibly blessed we are to live in this country. You know, um, yes, this, we, have, we have issues. I understand that. But there's so many people that would trade where they live for, for you to be here, for them to be here if, if they had a chance. Because they're, they're facing issues that are far, far worse than ours. Amen. You know, this is... Uh, an amazing place to live. It's a, it's a country where we still have freedom to worship and honor God. And, um, and 
I was going to show you a few pictures and just kind of give you an insight. And you've got to understand, Guatemala, yeah, it's, it's different than here. But there's places in the world that makes Guatemala look like America, you know. But, but it is far different than here. But the thing that I, I experienced when I was on this mission trip was how thankful and how appreciative the people were, even though they had so far less than what we do. If you would do anything for them, they would just be beside themselves with thanksgiving and gratitude. And, and that's the impression that Pastor Paul was talking about. He said, it will change you, and it did. You know, it's so much easier for me to be thankful and grateful now after that experience because I've seen some people that had far, far less, and yet they were so grateful and so thankful for everything that they got. So if you got those pictures, you can throw the first one up there. I was just going to go through these quick. This here is a woman that is either going to wash her laundry or she's coming back from it. I don't remember which. But she's not going to the laundromat. She's going to a large water tank that's in a public square. You can imagine a, a very large horse tank, except it was usually made out of concrete. And they washed their clothes by hand with one of those scrub boards. That's how, that was their normal way for a middle-class Guatemalan to do their laundry. Okay? Okay, you can go to the next one. This man, you can kind of tell, he's standing square in the middle of the highway on a, on a speed bump. Because the speed bump required you to slow down a little bit. But he is selling newspapers to try to feed his family and risking his life at the same time. You know, because you can see how close he is to our van, and then vehicles would be going the other way just as fast. So he, he had to stand straight to keep from getting run over. But he's selling newspapers to, to buy food for his family. Okay, you can go to the next one. This is a Guatemalan suburban. This, this family is going somewhere. This would have been more of an upper-class family because they have a vehicle. But their vehicle is a little Toyota truck, and they just put grandma and mom and all the kids in the back, and that's how they get around. You've seen that a lot. All right? And the next one. This is a typical Guatemalan house. And these people actually have a vehicle. It's a motorcycle. You've seen a lot of little motorcycles. This house is probably about the size, I might be exaggerating a bit, but it's about the size of a two-car garage and it was made out of cinder blocks. And that was a typical Guatemalan house. You can see those, uh, that clothesline out front, that's where they would be drying their clothes, and their bathroom is that little square thing there, that privy, outhouse, whatever you want to call it, that's their, that's their bathroom, all right? Okay, is that all of them, or is there one more? Oh, I threw this in here. This is a Guatemalan Menards. I, I'm a carpenter, <laughs> so I thought, you got to be kidding me. But yeah, no, this is, their, this is their lumber yard. You know, they bring the trees in, and, and uh, they do have a sawmill there, and you can cut, you know, have them cut whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, not your regular Home Depot, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, that, I just wanted to share that with you because I tell you what, you, you know, you got, you got just a little of what I saw, but when you see how how other people live in the world, I tell you what, it makes Thanksgiving a lot easier. It really does change how you view things, uh, your gratitude toward what we have, 
And, um, and I know you all are. I mean, I'm kind of preaching to the choir tonight, but um, I just hope I've given you something that maybe you can share with others, maybe members of your own family, you know. That as, uh, as believers, we need to always be grateful and always have a gratitude uh, demeanor about ourselves and, and be thankful in all things, amen? Okay, well, you can stand with me. I'm gonna pray. Might get you out of here a little bit early tonight. We do have to take up an offering yet, and we'll pray over that too when we pray, all right? And just let your hearts agree with what we've been talking about tonight, and maybe in your own way, just, uh, just give God, take some time to give God thanks, amen? Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you tonight in closing, Lord. And Father God, just take a moment to give gratitude and thanks for all your goodness for the blessings that you bestow upon us on a daily basis that maybe sometimes we might take for granted. But Father, we want to look to you tonight and honor you, Father God, with a heart of thanksgiving, with gratitude and appreciation for your goodness and your mercy towards us. All the things that you provide, all the things that you have done, all the things that you're going to do, Father, we most of all want to thank you for the for the gift of your son, Father, that cleansed us and set us free and put us in a high place, Lord, where we can see and where we can uh, acknowledge your goodness and has bought us the gift of salvation so we have a home in heaven with you someday. Father, we are so grateful. And Father, we just lift up, Father God, this this offering tonight. We give it to you out of a... a, uh, grateful heart, not out of compulsion. We thank you, Father, for you have blessed us. And Father, because you have blessed us, Father, we want to be a blessing and we want to give back according to all that you have done. And we just lift up our offerings to you tonight, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.